Hello and welcome to episode four of Culture Talks. We are Heather and Shyla, the regional managers of Crown's Global Skills Team. I'm Heather, I'm based in the UK and I oversee programs in the EMEA and the Americas region. Hello, I'm Shyla, I'm based in Hong Kong and I oversee programs in Asia Pacific. Each episode of Culture Talks, we want to pull back the curtain of cultural tape training, bust some myths and do this with our own stories and examples on different topics each episode. We want to showcase the impact and the scope of cultural training. So last episode of Culture Talks, we looked at culture in the workplace and how culture impacts so many aspects. This episode, we're looking at culture and language and busting the myth that language training and cultural training are completely independent and unrelated to each other. And today we're going to do things a bit differently because we have no guest, but we have (laughs) had lots of input. Um, So a big thank you to our team and everyone else who gave us so much insight for today's podcast. And Heather, we have you. You started your career in language training. <laughs> yeah. You can share what you're really excited to talk about, uh, about language and culture today. So, yes, I started my career as an English teacher. And I also want to acknowledge that it's not just me <laughs> that is excited about this topic. I've had so much input from former colleagues um, who've also been very excited by, uh, by, what we're, by what we're talking about. So on many levels, language training is really quite straightforward. You know, you teach sentence structure, vocabulary, pronunciation. And yet there's so much culture at play. You know, as a teacher, when you're preparing a lesson on small talk, which is something that you start with beginners and you're still teaching at advanced levels, you will get students asking you for correct question forms on topics that actually are probably considered really personal and inappropriate for for small talk in certain cultures, you know, things like money or or politics. Um, So really, you know, culture really has to be addressed. And when you think about language training and cultural training, you know, they both create an understanding of culture, but they have two completely different objectives so they can't be completely interchangeable so what what do you mean by different objectives Mm. so culture training really the objective of that is to understand what impacts the behavior you know what makes people tick creating like a deeper awareness um and and maybe some strategies about what to do with that awareness. Language training, the objective is to really ensure that students are effectively using language. And to do that, you've got to you've got to achieve two parts. So firstly, mm. students need to be able to use the correct linguistic forms, but then culturally appropriate language as well. Um, so, for example, I was a professional skills trainer in Malaysia and I was teaching business email writing skills. So in business, you have to get the message across, you know, to get the business done. So you need you're teaching like correct sentence structures, grammatical forms, appropriate greetings and sign offs. And it's there where most of that culture really comes in. You know, in Malaysia, um, Malaysian English is a widely used language and a standard sign off in Malaysia is kindly do the needful. <laughs> so right so that laughter is already starting to tell you like you're understanding there's a cultural element there like if you get an email with that sign off Shaila how does that how does that land how does it make you feel that makes me feel like it's a little really I wouldn't know how to respond you know like it's a bit mm. jarring like how right. do I how do I respond is it rude I, I don't know it just doesn't sit very well for me 
Right. So you'd be noticing that and you'd be spending time thinking about that. So as a business email, that isn't effective. Right. And as a language trainer, once once trainer, <laughs> once they'd got the grammar and vocabulary correct, I needed to then refer to culture to ensure my students were really getting their message across effectively. So to consider the culture of their audience in order to use effective linguistic forms. Right. So and, and that's exactly what we're looking at. Right. Heather, language and mm. culture and why language is is really the ultimate window into the culture. So let's start with how language can reflect culture, because language, as you know, can tell you so much about social rules, mindset and the underlying values. Yeah, totally. I mean, look at the the kind of concept of time in the US um, and also really, you know, the UK and, and Australia as well. We talk about time as a commodity and quite a linear concept that we have control over. You know, it's mine and mm. I only have so much of it and I need to then think about wasting it or saving it. So look at the link, like the, the, the terms like, do you have five minutes or can I take five minutes of your time? Mm. Um, I, I mean, the very US one of let me give you back 10 minutes and end mm. this meeting early. You know, that, that's all about us controlling it. Um, and yet, you know, you go to somewhere like Egypt. And when I was teaching in Egypt, you'd say to your students, like, all right, see you next lesson. And they would all say inshallah, which means like God willing. Mm -hmm. So there's a very different idea around concept of, of time and and yeah, and how much control you have over that. And that really shows up in the language. And so that's the same with formality. You know, most languages have mm -hmm. different levels of formality, but mm. how many levels can reflect the formality of that culture? So in mm. English, we use pleasure to meet you or versus all right, mate. You know, it's appropriate according to the culture, right? Yeah, absolutely. And like other languages, you've got whole linguistic forms like French. You've got vu and tu to show formality. And in Hindi, we use up and thumb and the hierarchy shows in the Japanese language with various forms of honorifics. Right, exactly. So actually, when we were preparing this, we even talked about how do you do, didn't we? <laughs> but then we dismissed it because actually, you know, it's really archaic example of formality. But there again, when we're thinking about culture, why is it archaic? Because the UK culture has changed. You know, mm. all right, mate, is OK now, but 100 years ago would never have been even considered. So mm. language can tell you so much about history and cultural evolution. And, you know, how do you do now is being confined to, you know, wearing a corseted dress when you're in Downton Abbey or Bridgerton. <laughs> yeah. so, so we've covered how language can reflect cultural norms. But what about when culture changes the use of language? And, you know, sometimes it confuses the situation. Absolutely. Yeah. And not just even when you're learning another language, you know, when you're learning another language, you might not you might expect to not be understood or to understand completely. But what about even within your own language? You know, culture can make it really challenging to access the meaning or even appropriacy behind certain words. You know, in Spanish, there are words used in Spain on a daily basis that are considered really vulgar in Latin American Spanish. Well, let's look at English. It's an inter international <laughs> language and our native tongue. And, mm. you know, we can only really speak from our own expertise. You know, both right. of us are British. But if we move to the US or Australia, I wouldn't expect to need to consider language and considering those culture. I mean, English is English. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you wouldn't actually think you need language training, but you would need to have cultural awareness, like linguistic cultural awareness. Um, you know, 
I, this was the area that when we were preparing for this, we were given the most examples. <laughs> this is the most content that we are not allowed to use in this um, in this episode. Um, r- examples of where words across different cultures really, really differ. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that's for that's for the next like podcast nights. That's what we have. <laughs> um, but examples that we could that could give us this this kind of insight about how language changes. So in the US, you might be in a meeting um, and someone might tell everybody in the meeting they need a full court press oh I know that one (laughs) you know I've got teenage boys they play basketball so that's a phrase in the basketball arena you know you it Mm. means all members of the team steps out of position and just runs to the end of the court you know it means everyone in the in the in the meeting or whatever that's going on needs to get fully involved right yeah. And so for me, like I understand each individual word, but that just conjures up like white curly wigs of lawyers or yeah. I don't know, maybe even a journalist or something. Right. No idea. So I guess that's also the equivalent to all hands on deck. Very British saying. you know. Right. But again, you need to understand the meaning behind the words. And when you're speaking with someone, it's easier. Guess by context. See mm. how others are responding and follow. But in writing, it could be even more confusing, right? I mean, earlier we talked about kindly do the needful. If you're reading that, you might guess and interpret meaning. And and as I said, if it, it feels awkward, you know, I might feel it, it's it's there's a I might even make up a meaning that that wasn't there, you know. I, I might feel a bit confused yeah. on that, you know. Right, right. So then, yeah, we come back to that cultural awareness of language. You know, who is your audience? And so flip it. It's not just your audience. You've got to be aware of your own cultural norms and how they impact how you use language. Um, So when teaching English, you know, you'd sometimes get pushback when you're correcting students and kind of maybe adding, asking them to add please or create or use more polite sentence structures. But you'd get Mm. pushback from students of certain cultures um, because they would be feeling that the language that they were using was excessively polite and, mm. and was showing that actually that they were, I don't know, making themselves weak or like begging. Um, so, yeah, it was quite it's quite straight how culture can really impact how you want to use it. So we've talked about their audience may expect those. Mm. And I get it, too. You know, as an A-level French student, I remember panicking in a boulangerie trying to order croissants. And as my panic increased, my my brain started going into like excessive British politeness form. So, you know, oh, excuse me, so would it be possible? Like actually saying like, est-ce que c'est possible pour... Rather than just really simple, like je voudrais, like I would like, you know, it's correct language, but it was yeah. just culturally weird. <laughs> I was well. using it. I know I do the same thing when I'm trying to speak Hindi. I become very formal because I'm, I'm, you know, directly translating in my head. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so, yeah, it's just when language and culture crosses, you have to start stepping back a bit. Who's my audience? What will they understand? And it's also really important to acknowledge that there might be right and wrong in linguistic forms, but there isn't in culture. You know, so for when I was tra- I was teaching my Malaysian students, my job became about highlighting, you know, where the two languages and the two dif- cultures differed. You know, neither one was right and neither one was wrong. And that's a really insightful tip to think about. And so this Mm. brings us nicely to the end of our podcast today and our myth that language training, cultural training are independent and unrelated. Hopefully we've shown you how intertwined they are and how they complicate, complicate, complement each other. (laughs) They do complicate each other. (laughs) 
but also they're not the same. When you're learning a language, it can be seen as part of survival. If you've just arrived somewhere and you want to get around, but it's also the, the ultimate window into the culture. Yeah, absolutely. So as ever, let's leave you, our audience, with a question. When you are communicating today, how much are you considering the culture of your audience? And if you did that, how might it change your communication? So Shyla, it's always a joy. Thank you. And thank you so much to our audience for listening. Join us next time for episode five of Culture Talks. <laughs>